right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! This is the Just Basketball Show, the debut episode, a new show. We are excited. I am Brendan Clean. That is Chris Manning. We are thrilled to get started here today. You can subscribe or follow on all podcast platforms. Give us five stars over on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Rate and subscribe here on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. You can also follow us on TikTok at Just B-Ball Fans and on Instagram at Just Basketball Show. Chris we swore we would not talk about the Lakers. We have a big trade to get to. They're making us talk about them anyway. We have five trades we want to see right now. Not on February 9th when the NBA trade deadline actually happens. Today, we want to see them. We'll get to those later. How are you feeling about episode number one? It's a long time coming. We could not be more excited to get this thing going. Tell me how you feel, man. Look, I'm, I'm pumped. It is great to be here with you. You and I, I, I remember talking to you about this like two years ago originally as like just a, a glimmer in, in my in hope uh, at Summer League in Las Vegas as we're walking back to, to Bally's after watching basketball all day. We're really excited to come to you, our viewers, our listeners, talk about the NBA, talk about the WNBA, talk about everything going on in basketball. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm based in Cleveland. I primarily cover the Cavs. I've written for places like Dime and Cleveland Magazine and SB Nation and, and Host Locked on Cavs. Brendan is based out in Phoenix. You know, he's written for Bright Side of the Sun, Host Locked on Suns, writes for Dime, writes for all kinds. Like, we've been around. We've done a lot. We love hoops. Uh, we have a great team. I, a couple of people I think we should say thank you to and, and that people maybe already know. First, Jake Stevens, he produces Locked on Cavs with me. I'm very excited to have him producing this show for us as well. And and shouts to the guys from from Just Baseball who launched something really incredible, and have are expanding into basketball now. Aram, Peter, Jack, the whole team at Den of Geek as well. We're really excited to get going on this. And as Brendan said, we did say part of our initial pitch was like, look, we're not going to over talk about the Lakers, and then yet today here we are, like we have to talk about the Lakers. So like it, this feels like karma. You know, like this feels like karma that we, we have to do this, unfortunately. Yeah, we have our various reasons. I think you and I both of uh, not loving this team. They they stole your franchise's centerpiece player a few years ago. They beat the, the crap out of the team that I cover and care about most of the time when they play in the playoffs. But let's get to it. The Lakers made a trade on Monday for Rui Hachimura. He was a top 10 pick three years ago, uh, which is a little bit of a crazy thing to say about a player who just got dealt. They only had to give up Kendrick Nunn, who's 11th on the Lakers in minutes this season, and three second-round picks. Now, Hachimura will be a restricted free agent this summer. He's had an up-and-down career. He hasn't been able to stay on the floor a ton. He hasn't been prioritized, it seems like, with the Wizards. They have, you know, they've had the number 10 pick, it seems like, for a decade. All those guys are vying for minutes. What do you make of this deal, Chris? Is this actually going to help the Lakers? Is this just them waving around something that they did in LeBron's face to say, see, we're not, we're not standing pat. We're, we're making moves, buddy. Here you go. Stay here. Stay in Los Angeles. My brain went to LeBron. My brain went to wondering, like, what does he think about this? Because this isn't, this isn't the, the all-in chips on the table move to, to make them a contender. I, I like Hachimura. I like when teams will try to like rehabilitate like a former lottery pick, a guy with talent, particularly a guy of Hachimura's size. Like that is the kind of player I think all team size wise need more of. Like Cleveland, for instance, could use like should take a stab like this, they could find it. This is a trade that I think like makes sense in that sense. But like does it move the needle for the Lakers? Do I think differently really about their ceiling or, or where they could be? Based on this trade, I, I don't. I And there's also the financial aspect of it that is almost, I think, more interesting than like what Hachimura is going to do in a basketball sense, right? Like he'll be an RFA in the summer, as you said, that's going to eat into cap space. They would have been a team that could have gone out and pursued, you know, Kyrie Irving has been kind of the, the big UFA out there, but they could have spent some money in free agency with Russ coming off the books. This, I, I think, in all likelihood hinders what they can do to, to maybe push for next season, which is just like a very interesting thing to consider and I, and I wonder what LeBron thinks about this like I, I generally if you got true serum to him and wonder how he feels about this trade I would be kind of curious I like going to get a forward for them um, I like a guy that has the upside as a scorer as a shooter 
Like maybe you can get more out of him in a in an environment where it's like, hey, you're gonna play with LeBron, you can earn money by by playing really well with him down the stretch. I'm curious to see how he's deployed. I'm curious to see how this all works out. I don't think this is a needle moving trade by any stretch of the imagination, though. No, and uh, people have pointed out that he's been a pretty good corner three point shooter for a few years now. That was a, a knock on his on his game. Part of the reason that pick was criticized is he was really just like a, a Carmelo Anthony type in college at Gonzaga, and then he's developed that. So that's going to help when he's playing off of the superstars on this team. I think you'll see him probably be able to make a pretty big impact in those bench lineups with Russ. Once AD gets back, those ba- those those backup reserve units tend to push the pace a little bit more for the Lakers. You could see him. He's a very good athlete, all things considered. That should be an area where he can dominate. I feel like he kind of only has to be better than guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown. If he can just surpass a couple of those guys, he'll play. Um, and yeah, it's not a needle mover. To your point about LeBron, this can't be all they do. I don't think it will be all they do. We're continuing to hear rumors. Um, and they th- this is not going to get them to be a championship contender. But I also think there is something to be said for being opportunistic, going out and getting a player like this. He is a number nine pick. He had talent for a reason. And we'll see. They've actually had a good track record developing players like this, sort of these reclamation projects, as you called them, or guys who second draft types of players, et cetera. So I'm optimistic he can continue to develop his game. I don't know if he's a difference maker when you're talking about can they get to a second round or even out of the play in whatever their uh, you know hopes are come the summertime. Uh, let's transition over to bigger moves, although they haven't quite happened yet. Over on the WNBA side of things, we have Brianna Stewart, the biggest superstar probably in the entire league, a former MVP. She has won more than just about any basketball player on the planet when you go back to her absolute dominance at UConn, two championships with the Seattle Storm, and she is a free agent now. She has been tweeting cryptic emojis to give us clues. Yes. And then Ramona Shelburne, Chris, finally uh, decoding those emojis for us over on uh, Twitter. She's from ESPN, of course telling us that Stewie will meet with the Lynx, Mystic, Storm, and Liberty this uh, this summer. She's doing it basically now. She's over in Turkey playing overseas as that season wraps up, and these teams are coming to, to wine and dine her. Is Stewie really going to move? Are we seeing a generational player change teams here in the WNBA? What's your read? Well, I, I think even beyond, I think, I think yes. Like, if I had to guess, like, it seems like yes. Like I, the Liberty stuff was kind of out there last summer. It seems also just like the the Liberty are kind of trying to get into super team mode with with Sabrina Inescu and Junkle Jones, and and if they get Stewie, they're going to get Vandersloot, and like that's going to be like a a really just interesting team, even if the pieces don't totally like necessarily you would kind of perfectly all kind of blend together on paper. What I think is interesting though, Brendan, is I feel like this 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 feels to me. Considering what Stewie is kind of publicly advocating for, for for the the flight stuff in particular, and considering her leverage, this is someone at the top of her profession, at the top of that league, that is demanding change, that is demanding like perhaps structural change to the way that this league works and the way that these the players in the WNBA are taken care of, and like anyone who follows that league and is a fan of it understands that like the, the travel stuff is a big deal. We it was what 2 years ago the Aces had a game canceled or postponed because they had all the issues coming from Vegas to to Washington DC because of because of normal flights. She is using her per leverage as a free agent to try and push for something very different. And that to me is like yes, like if she goes to the Liberty or the Mystics or goes back to Seattle, that it's going to be a big deal and that that's a big basketball story. But I think almost the biggest thing coming out of this will be like, okay, if, if some of this stuff with travel changes and you've seen players like in the NBA, like John Morant support her in this, right? That could be the biggest change coming out of all of this. And that's a, that's a big deal. That's a really, really, really big deal for the WNBA, the health of its players and the players getting something I think they frankly deserve. It is absolutely way bigger than basketball here. I mean, I, I, I compare this to... Diana Taurasi, when she sat out a season uh, a few years back here in Phoenix and her Russian team, uh, the one that players aren't really playing for anymore, separate story we all know, uh, 
paid for her to not play right like yeah there's been these moments that are really inflection points for the history of this league this is one of them stewie is a humongous star like you cannot understate it she has a signature shoe she is the high one you know among the highest paid players in not only this league but all of europe as well and She's a singular talent. She is, you know, whether you want to compare her to Kevin Durant or whoever, she has broken how we think about basketball with her height and her size and her shooting ability and everything else. But like you just said, she's shooting higher than that. And she was somebody last offseason when she was also a free agent before she returned to the storm who criticized the new rules about uh, overseas travel for these players or, or com- competition for these players where the, the league is now... It's going into effect this season, going to fine players if they don't return from overseas quickly enough in time for the start of the season. I think an owner that might be willing to pay some of those fines for her or work with the league in some way to flex and get them out of that pickle. An owner who's going to work with her to get these chartered flights, which is the fight you were referencing that... Uh, People have Uh taken on in the past owners, the new owners who come in, whether it's the Raiders owner, whether it's Joe Sy, who owns the Liberty, which is the team that probably is the front runner to to get Stewie. These guys come in and they're flabbergasted at how terrible the working conditions are for these athletes. And it does not surprise me to see that they are on the list that the storm who have a pretty uh, committed ownership group, obviously they're, they're the incumbent team. It's the only team she's ever played for that. Those franchises are at the top of her list. Uh, We will not, I I think, say goodbye to this story. We don't know where she'll actually end up. We'll keep tabs on it. But it's not just where does maybe the best player in the WNBA end up. It's how does her free agency shape the future of the WNBA. It's really that big. Uh, The NBA doesn't have a lot of these. Maybe LeBron with the decision. Maybe Kareem refusing to get drafted by such and such team. There's a few of these in, in NBA history, but... The WNBA, with how young it is, these things come uh, pretty constantly right now, and the players kind of don't take BS at all from uh, from the owners from the league, and, and they're more willing to fight, I think, uh, outwardly and publicly. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating to see where this goes. Well, and on top of that, we also have this Dierke Hamby trade where she goes from the Aces to the Sparks, and this in- the statement she put out on her Instagram alleging, you know, mistreatment from the Aces that prompted a WMB- WMBPA statement. Like, there- there's like these big, this feels like a, a moment where we'll- the players are flexing their power a little bit yeah. and they're going to push for some things. And I think that's good. I think at times it feels like, I like the league in the sport is always about the players first. It just is. And obviously the corporate interests like have a big say in that. But like, the I think the story of the WNBA the last three, four years has been that the players are driving all of this, that it's about them. It's about, you know, Asia Wilson becoming like a super duper duper star, the the farewell and everything that Super had got. The the way that the league reacted to Kelly Loeffler and, and her role with the Atlanta Dream. Like all of this stuff has been player driven. This feels like two things in different ways. And and we'll I don't you know, we don't know a ton about the Hamby situation and what that looks like, but that's a big deal. But Brennan, before we move on from this, I want to ask you in a basketball sense. Where do you want to? What, what would be the most fun Stewie outcome? Yeah, for 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 her, where where are her going? Where where's the most fun outcome? We don't really know what it would look like with the Lynx. They have a lot of questions. They spent their money pretty mm-hmm. badly. Uh, Cheryl Reeve, the GM and, and president over there, has I think she said in a, in her podcast recently, like I screwed up free agency a couple of years ago, and we can't really do what we want because I was bad at my job. So I kind of put them as a distant fourth here. I think the Liberty thing would be pretty fascinating. I personally am the, am the type that loves super teams, so give me as many of them as we can get on all sides of basketball. The Storm, we know what that looks like, so from an entertainment standpoint, I'm probably discounting that just because it would be kind of the same old, but that brings us to the Mystics, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about. I uh, have not studied. WNBA cap stuff is a nightmare to sift through because they have very different rules in the NBA, yeah. but the idea of Stewart and Elena Deladon together. This is like Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum uh, playing on the same team. Whatever big wings who do freakish stuff, to two of them on one team that you want to put as the comp here, that's what this would be. And I, I think both of them have revolutionized what basketball can be in that league in general. The, the two of them together... 
Uh, I'm just kind of drooling thinking about it, but I don't know how likely it is. I don't know how possible it is, but that's what I'm rooting for. Her and, and Elena Deladon would be tons of fun. And like, I think kind of lessening some of the burden on Deladon to have to kind of like define that team in some ways, I think would be really good for her just to, where she's been at the last couple of years. Selfishly, I say it's the Liberty just because I think her going with someone on the up and up, like in UNSQ, you know, they get John Quill Jones. Like that is just like a loaded team that has, you know, players like Dee Richards and others that can like fill out some of their depth for the current moment. I also selfishly like we'll get to like, in terms of my availability, yeah, you have some, to go you have some vested interest in this. You should tell. Yeah. You should. You should be honest here. Yeah. Journalistic no, this integrity. This is one hundred percent. Yeah. So there's. I, I live in Cleveland, where there used to be WBA team, and I, they should bring back the Rockers or put one in Columbus that I that I can drive to. I'm willing to go watch the Columbus crew, like put a WNBA team in Columbus, and like give me Caitlin Clark, and like I will drive to go see that team in two years. Like let, let's let's go. But. I can the the two games that I will think I'd be able to see this year are one in Chicago in June and then one in New York in August based on some travel I have. I would like to see Brianna Stewart play basketball twice, health permitting. Per- personally, I would like fine. to see her play. Like I let me see Stewie in person. Like she is on um, on the list of players that I have not seen that mm. I would very much like to go see in person. It is like her and like the the aces, uh, I believe, are the game in, in August in New York. So like I could, you know, check off Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Ionescu, like Stewie all in one game. Sign me up. That selfishly. So Stewie the Liberty for selfish reasons. Let's go. It's totally fine. Let's transition to a segment that I kind of want to put a title to here in our first show, Chris. And uh, lead into what the the big main event of the episode is, which is the five trades we want to see right now. We each did five. Mine are currently redacted. Yours, you just redacted as well. Uh, we're going to go back right. and forth on those here from our, from our outline. But we're going to get to the Toronto Raptors first. They are the team when we're talking about the NBA trade deadline, which is on February 9th coming up here in two-ish weeks, just over two weeks that seem to be at the center of everything. The segment that I want to start today is um, people love this idea of this league, right? Mark Stein coined it. They just created a podcast around it with him and Chris Haynes. Um, We're going to make fun of that, I think, a little bit here and lean into the ridiculousness of NBA Twitter. I think it can be a pretty fruitful way for us to uh, have some fun with this crazy league that, that we're doing a podcast about. Last week... Our guy, Robbie Callen, friend of the show, put up a uh, <laughs> a breakdown of what the Toronto Raptors players were worth, according to some sort of league executive, or it says multiple league sources. Uh, count me as skeptical. Calling OG Ananobi <laughs> uh, two promising players and a pick is what it's going to cost him. Fred Van Vliet, point guard over there, 28 years old, ending his contract this summer. A proven winner and a great leader will fetch fetch at least the Ananobi price, if not more. You had Pascal Siakam, three-for-one players plus pick, which is just insanity. And then Gary Trent Jr., a player and multiple picks. Gary Trent Jr. is all of the advanced metrics paint him as a negative player. But if you're going to get him from the Raptors, according to multiple league sources, you, Chris, are going to need to uh, trade multiple players and picks to get uh, Gary Trent. Then... Just before we hit record, and I don't know if you saw this, a mystery team, according to Bruce Arthur, who's a reputable reporter, Toronto Star has covered this team a long time. A mystery team, quote unquote, has offered three first round picks for OG Ananobi. Um, That's that's too many picks for OG Ananobi, who I really like. (laughs) And I have a fake, he's on my fake trade list, but that is too many picks. For OG and Anobi, what are we doing here? What are, are we the doing? Raptors? Are the Raptors getting the entirety of the 2023 draft back for their core players up at the trade deadline this year? Is that what this is headed toward? Are are the the value of the Toronto Raptors players the FTX of the FTX crypto scam of NBA trade values? Is yeah, that it, where we're at? Like this feels inflated. This like I would give up three for Siakam if I was like a win now sure. team. Like he's really good. All NBA, yeah. whatever. He's on my three list. Three for three for it and yeah, three for it and OB is crazy. Two for Gary Trent Jr., who's on like gonna be on an expiring contract because he can opt out is crazy to me. Like I like how many like two two for, for Van Vliet, considering his age, considering he's also he's expiring. Pay, he's, you're probably gonna have to, also expiring. Like these are these are these are crazy. 
These are crazy. This these feel very inflated to me. I like a lot of these players. I think Toronto is like clearly one of the teams that I kind of feel like maybe should just kind of blow it up and see what you could do. But boy, I I don't know about these values, man. I these feel inflated and like I I don't know. Like if if I'm making this FTX comp, I'm not exactly trying to say that like <laughs> no. Masai Ujiri or Bobby Webster is Sam Fried Bankman or no, whatever. No, but here's but the like, thing. I, I'm asking. I'm pondering it. I'm pondering it. I think you have a point. I feel like just for the for the record here that if you look at their cap sheet, we'll, we'll talk about specific trades for some of these guys on our, on our five trades lists here in a second. If you look at their cap sheet, they pretty much have it clean starting in the 2024 off season, which is only like 18 months from now. I kind of lean toward mm-hmm. start to offload, explore the market. But if your plan ultimately is to build around probably Ananobi and Barnes as things currently stand, then why not just, stay competitive the next two years, stay in a mode where you could still buy, and then you're basically able to blow it up in 2024, regardless of what you really prefer to do, because everybody can leave. They're all going to be unrestricted free agents. But this is this speaks to this whole uh, hoopla we're seeing. It speaks to the uh, <laughs> incredible value in the NBA with the way the media game works of being liked. because. And this is very similar to Sam Bankman-Fried, I think. Very similar to some of these media darlings we see in other spaces. Everybody loves Masai Ujiri in the media. He he can, I think there's some, you know, he's a hard ass, but he's well-liked. And boy, does it help to be well-liked when you can tell Bruce Arthur, or you can have your cronies tell Bruce Arthur that you're getting ludicrous offers three weeks before the trade deadline for a player that may or may not actually even be available or that you can have multiple league sources thinking that you're such a a superhero with this stuff that you're about to take the entire 2023 lottery for yourself with uh, a little bit of an offloading month. So uh, it's silly to me, but it's... It's amazing to to be a personable guy. Are are you personable? Do you get these kinds of things leaked to you, leaked about you in the media, Chris? Are, Are there just painting a, a glowing portrait of you every time that you're talked about? No, when I'm talked about in the media or like not in the media because no one cares, but if <laughs> if I'm talked about among friends or like we got to get Chris to stop listening to Boy Genius Records because he's just being sad and like that that's the energy. And I'm just like, yeah, that's true. But I do that. Like, but no, this is, this is, this is a lot. This is, <laughs> this is where like I just, do, I, I, with stuff like this, and with where the NBA trade market just kind of is right now, post like the Gobert trade and the Jante Murray trade and the Donovan Mitchell trade, I don't know what to make of any values right now. I don't. And like, if you're yeah. Toronto, like maybe you hold out for stuff and say like, okay, like we're not really going to get into the Wemby race. So maybe we should just hold out for the most value possible. Maybe we end up as like the, the seven seed anyway, you know, maybe that happens. Sure. Like it's, it's possible. They have talent. It's just, it's just the value on some of the stuff is like very weird. It's very, very weird. Like can coming up with the fake trades. Like I've won. That I was like, oh, like, I don't know who to, I'm, an, I'm almost going to ask you, like, I don't know who to, who she has to give up picks in some of this to some degree. It's like very, it's very, very bizarre. It's hilarious too. And to close the chapter on, on this Raptors conversation, although they'll be back in our mouths in a second, NBA people love this team so much. Their fans love this team so much. And they have so many because they represent an entire freaking continent or country. Mm-hmm. If you remember, not even a year ago. They were the sexy upset pick of the first round against the Philadelphia 76ers. Everybody thought we were getting an upset in the first round because no one believes in James Harden. No one believes in Joel Embiid. And there was a lot of smart people out there saying, look at the Raptors. It's their time. They're going to, they're going to make a a run. They were good in the second half of last year's regular season. So if they get into the playoffs, if they get into the play in, you can bet that they will be overhyped in the in, in the sports books and the NBA media, there will be at least a little pocket that is picking them in the first round to upset the three seed or whatever they end up doing. I, you can you can literally etch it into stone right now. But let's transition into our five trades that we want to see right now. Again, this is not crazy stuff that we're just cooking up in a dream machine that we want uh, because it would bring chaos. We're reading the tea leaves where maybe have a little bit of a vested interest in the teams that we want to see improve, the teams we like watching, what we think they might need. But these aren't 
let's get Steph, Steph and Curry to the Cavs. It's not that. Although that would never happen. Cleveland would burn to the ground, I think, Chris. But I'm going to go with Dray, my number the five. Dray, the, Draymond, the Draymond one would be better. Let's get a Draymond to Cleveland fake trade just to see it. Like Another how, big if, man. If, 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 no, if you, but if you can flip the, the intense booze with that Michigan State grit that Dan Gilbert also <laughs> loves. Continue. <laughs> I'm going to do my number five, which is uh, not Raptors related. I'm going to unredact it here um, on our sheet. It is Golden State Warriors related. Kelly Olynyk, who is currently on the Utah okay. Jazz, a team that I believe is going to be uh, tearing it down to a degree this, off, this, this deadline, even though they've been much better than expected in their offenses. Super duper fun, very effective, very efficient. Olynyk has been a big part of that. I don't see why if you're rebuilding around all these draft picks and Larry Markinen and whatever else that you need Kelly Olynyk on your team. The Warriors do need Kelly Olynyk. They don't have a lot to trade because all their players make a ton of money or very little money. But the one guy in the middle salary wise is James Wiseman. We know who James Wiseman is on the outs with the team. Spent a lot of the season in the G League, former number one overall pick. And Jermichael Green, who has been pretty uh, bad for them and hasn't really stayed healthy or in the rotation most of the season. Those two guys to the Utah Jazz for Kelly Olynyk. The Warriors get their Nemanja Bialica replacement. They get that toolsy passing big man that they always seem to love. And their rotation's pretty much set. So how do you feel? Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. I, no, I, I like this trade. I think the Warriors like should be one of the teams most aggressively trying to buy like you have a window now we'll see what happens with dream on like we'll see what it just kind of happens the jordan pool contract obviously kicks in next year and like then things are going to get very very expensive for them and they already kind of are olenic would would make a ton of sense like and it, they just need i think a little more from that spot like like kavan looney has been like awesome for them you'll you'll get a ton of dream at the not five starting right now. I, like i won which is no weird. but yeah but like i which like you're in the playoffs, you're going to get like a ton of Draymond at the five. And that makes me wonder like how much they'll kind of give up for someone who's going to need to play minutes at the five to really be effective for them. But like in terms of giving them real depth and giving them someone that fits what they do, I think this trade is like, a this is kind of like a no brainer. The jazz are also the, one of those teams that based on what we've read and what has been kind of reported out there, I don't know what they're looking for. And like, they already have a ton of picks from the Mitchell trade. There's this reporting of, I think for Mark Stein, that was like Malik Beasley to Cleveland, John Collins to Utah, and uh, Karis LeVert going to Atlanta and salary relief for the Hawks, that the, the Jazz were the ones who wanted picks. And that John Collins, I think, is the best player in that trade, but they're like looking for picks. So like, what are, what are they going to do? Like, maybe the market changes as we get closer and teams just want to do something, but I wonder if there is just... I, I, I do wonder if... The, the what the price is going to be that kind of some of these moves on the edges but I, I really really like this trade in principle Linick is like good he is like not an all-star not anything crazy he had like that weird kind of sojourn in, in Houston after his time in Boston and time in Miami but that's a good player a good rotation player that I think would would help, definitely help the Warriors or, or another team if they could go get him yeah from the Jazz standpoint I, I just kind of find it hard to believe they're going to get a pick for Linick so to me Wiseman, I mean, I, I thought you were going to come at me and say it's insane to trade a former number one overall pick for uh, Kelly Olynyk. He's not. He he's just not good. Yeah, and, he, and it's well, like it's, might we're in year three. Yeah, but like we're we're in year we're we're entering like two years away from being two years away territory with him. <laughs> we are. Bit. Like it, are. it just ha it hasn't happened, and like that to me, like yeah, like yes, is that selling very low in theory and like the name value, but like the reality is that he is. Not that anymore. He's not. It's like the same thing. If like the if the Magic tried to trade Markel Fultz today, like his value is like not tied to him being a number one overall pick anymore. It's that he's like a competent NBA player with some upside, and he's better than you know. He's obviously done more and been better than than what Wiseman has been so far. And that that is, I think, just where you're at with him. I I don't. And if I'm him, I pr maybe it's like maybe in some ways better to go somewhere else at this point. I don't know if sure. it's Utah because Walker Kessler is just like awesome, but like maybe a change of scenery would would, would do him some good. Very fair. I think if it gets you closer to a championship, which I think this trade in, uh, undoubtedly would, remember, they're without Otto Porter and Bielitsa, both guys who played in the finals for them. You get a little closer with Olenek, and I, I think that they would feel like that that increases their championship odds. So, yes, you're cutting ties with somebody who you invested a lot in, but so be it. They're in win-now mode, obviously. They have maybe the best player in the NBA on their team. All right. 
Your number five, Chris. Give us uh, my, give us your my, number five trade. My number five is a very basic person. Alex Caruso to the Sacramento Kings for Donovan for Davion Mitchell, excuse me, not Donovan Mitchell. Trey Lyles and a protected first round pick, lottery protected for a year, rolls over, whatever. I think the Kings are just like one of the best stores in the NBA this year, if not the best. I love light light the beam. Let's go. Uh, shots to Mike Brown for doing an awesome job there. I'm glad he's got another chance to be a head coach. One of the clear spots in the rotation you could reasonably improve upon at this deadline, I think, is at that backup point guard spot behind De'Aaron Fox. Caruso strikes me as just a very, very Mike Brown player. He's obviously got a little bit of P.J. Tucker to him now where he like doesn't want to shoot, and it, that's a little bit weird. But amazing defender, really affordable contract. And, and David Mitchell is like fine. He's, he's obviously a former lottery pick. This is maybe selling low on him as well. But if I'm the Kings, I look at Caruso as a guy for the next couple of years that could be a really good pairing with you with Fox. They could play them together. Protected first, like, okay, maybe it rolls over. Maybe, like, maybe it, it's a 16th picture. I think that's a good move for Caruso. And if you're, the, if you're the Bulls, I know they're surging a little bit. I know things are going a little bit better there. But like that is another team that feels like a reset would make some sense, particularly if whatever happens with Lonzo Ball. Get it protected first. Try to rehab Davion Mitchell as you kind of move off from the Kobe White pick and all that stuff. I think this is a trade that it's small. It's nothing crazy. But I think Caruso to the Kings just makes like a lot of sense to me. And it would also be fun to maybe get a Kings Lakers series where Lakers fans get really mad when Alex Caruso's just like doing Alex Caruso stuff against like Russell Westbrook and Pep Bet. Caruso's contract is a steal, uh, nine million this year, nine and a half next year, and then it's only partially guaranteed for three million dollars the final year. That's going to be guaranteed. You can you can bet on that. He won't be cut, obviously. So uh, I understand the Bulls have been. I think there's been some some stuff out there that like he's one of the only untouchable players on the roster, probably partially because of that contract. But that's BS. We know uh, the Bulls are not going to actually get caught in a position where they need to reset some things and they're they're going to prevent themselves from making moves because they want to carry who a player who at his best is is a, a very high level role player. He's not, you know, a superstar. So, I love that trade. I think from the Kings standpoint it makes a lot of sense, gives them a little bit more defense, gives them somebody who frankly will pro- would probably be in their closing lineup. They haven't fully mm-hmm. found who that two guard is going to be next to Aaron Fox to close games. And I think he would be a very, very good option. All right. My number four here, Jakob Purtle to the Denver Nuggets. This is the way it's kind of hilarious. Uh, this is the idea that um, started this entire pod topic, which is embarrassing <laughs> for you and I No, but love, it's the truth. No, no, no. no. I, I, I love Jakob Purtle. Jakob Purtle is like, in that firm range of like very competent NBA center who does a lot of stuff well, has a big learning weakness in his free throw shooting, but is just like a good player and not a dominant one at a position where like it is very much like kind of stars and scrubs for a lot of teams right now. I had a, an extra one that we can get to as a rapid fire at the end here that was about a big man. And it's hard to find uh, players, centers on this market and, and, and in general in the NBA. So the Nuggets have liked Zeke Naji. This this has changed over the past few weeks since we first brainstormed this topic. They really seem to like Zeke Naji as their backup five, but the, the non-Jokic minutes are a real problem for them. I don't think Pirtle's going to fully fix it, but when you have Bones Highland playing backup guard for you and he is just a sieve on defense, letting guys into the paint, just having that stability of a defender at that spot I think would be Pretty good. And if you can get him for Ish Smith and your recent first round pick, Peyton Watson, I think you do it. I don't know if that's enough. The Spurs will be would be correct, as we just said, with how few centers there are to ask for a first round pick or something. It probably depends on how they, they view the Nuggets young players. But that one uh feels pretty pretty good to me. Pirtle's not gonna go to a playoff team and start. So backing up the maybe the MVP and playing a big role on a team that might be the favorite for the championship right now. I think, I think you could do a lot worse and uh, it's a good fit for both sides. Yeah. I, I think Denver like is another team that I think should be trying to buy. They have like a core window right now to try and win a title. Like they do the Jokic is playing absurd. They got Murray back. They have Porter back. Maybe like the, in backup center would seem to be the obvious place. You're probably like not going to go get a, another big wing upgrade. And they're pretty well stocked there with guys like Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon and, and like and Michael Porter Jr. and like all, and Jeff Green is giving KCP. them good minutes still. Yeah, shout out KCP who's just like that. What a trade for them. Yeah, like I, I'm a big Monty Morris fan, but like what a trade to, to bring in KCP. 
I wonder if I also I do wonder if like this is this maybe feels a little bit rich and or if they try to kind of thread the needle a little bit more and find someone they could maybe resign. Pirtles apparently per shams like looking for like twenty million a year in the summer. So like this would be if this is a rental, this is kind of a situation where like I, I, I would think it makes a ton of sense, but would they call on like Mason Plumley, their old friend who's now with the Hornets? Like yeah. is there a way they could go that's like a little bit cheaper that kind of fills the same need? And and I also kind of wonder if there's just no way to avoid the Jokic drop off because he's Jokic. Like I don't I don't know if there's anyone you could reasonably get that's not also sure. like a superstar that's going to kind of insulate you from some of this Jokic drop off. And stuff. in the West, but you don't Pertle need a center necessarily, right? I mean, that's the thing about mm-hmm. the West. You're not going to go up against Joel Embiid. You're the team that other teams need to get a center for to guard Jokic. But maybe this the Nuggets don't feel like they really need to address that spot because who's he? Who does he need to guard in the post? And you know you can make you can make do without him. Uh, Olenek would be good for them too, I think, if he were not to go to Golden State. I wouldn't mind the Olenek fit, fit there as well to give them a little stretch and like do some five-out stuff. That could be fun. Your number four. Should we go to my number? All right. Three-team trade, our first of our first three-teamer of the day. I don't know if you have any three-teamers. This is my only I one. I don't. They scare me. Okay. This one scares me, and this is the one that I alluded to earlier where I'm going to ask you who has to give up picks. So I have Josh Hart and Doug McDermott going to Cleveland. Josh are coming from Portland. Doug McDermott coming from San Antonio. Jetty Osmond goes out to Portland. Karis Levert goes to San Antonio. Here's, here's the deal here, I think. The Cavs are in desperate need of wing stuff. They're in desperate need of like competent bodies on the wing. They need shooting. Hart and McDermott are going to give you some shooting. Hart's going to give you defense. They're both under contract for another year at pretty original numbers. Hart's contract's like a little funky because I think it's like once you guarantee it, it's in like non-guaranteed for next year or like whatever. There's an option or something. It's, it's a goofy contract, but like he's a good player. I think would make a ton of sense. Portland is in this weird spot where I think they're kind of stuck in the middle again. So this is, this is like punting on hard a little bit for a slightly worse player in Jetty Osmond, but save a little bit of money, still have a shooter on your roster. Okay. And for San Antonio, it's like, okay, trade McDermott. You're going to save a bunch of money on, on getting Levert. And you, you do that. That is where I kind of wonder who has to give up the pick or like if there's another team you could sub in here that also could use like a McDermott or, or a Hart in, instead of the Cavs. But I, I think the Cavs are going to look for wing upgrades. I think this is kind of maybe on the higher end of what I'm expecting them to get. But what do you, what do you make of, of what would Hart and McDermott like even help them that much is, is I guess my question to you. Yeah. I think the Spurs need more if they're taking on, uh, Lavert's salary. I know he's a good player, but I think that they will see that expiring. He is expiring. Expiring. That's true. That's fair. So I was also going to say the Cavs are going to probably be the team that would have to give. Right. They're going to have to give the pick. Yeah. I also want to tell you before we get any further, because I have a feeling we might hear about this again. I, I, I had this in my head before we even started the podcast. We're on episode number one. I have a buzzer sound effect. You're at four Cavs references today. When you get to five, yeah. the buzzer will go off. That's just, we have to have a it's handshake fine. agreement when, That's fine. <laughs> as we go through this. That's fine. It's not even it's negative. Fine. Yeah. The Cavs, I think, it's fine. get better here. Portland fans, I will say, and I have a Josh Hart trade in mind too. Josh okay. Hart, they don't like how, you mentioned the, the PJ Tucker effect. He's on that level right now. And he, they have been very frustrated with how little he shoots the ball. I think he helps the Cavs maybe actually more, though, because he gives them some of the perimeter wing defense that they really are lacking. Doug McDermott basically just fills the Jetty Osmond role, right? Um, I like this deal. I think the Levert aspect is what hangs me up on it. It, it feels like simultaneously very little return for Levert, but also if I'm the Spurs, I have no use for Levert. He's just this albatross weird guy in the league. He's been that almost his whole career. Uh, but that's that's the hangup that I have is is involving Levert. But the Cavs kind of have to, right, in order to get a deal done. Yeah, he's the guy they have to trade, and uh, I think he's would be an elite move for, to get deeper and deeper into the Wemby race if I'm the Spurs. That's that's the pitch. Yep. Any team you're calling, if you're, if you're a team, I think, calling the Spurs, the... Hornets, the Rockets, any of these teams that are like actively bad and actively probably trying to get themselves firmly into that Wemby race. You're saying, look, you're bad. 
we can make you worse. You, we don't need to give you a first round pick. We'll give you two seconds. Yeah, it's fine. You're gonna maybe get Wemby. It's dangling the Wemby carrot or Scoot Henderson over all of this. That's that's if I'm the GM in that situation, that's what I'm doing. But if I'm Cleveland, I probably would give like I would give up some seconds for this trade. Problem I is, I think Levert actually helps them get a little better uh, if they play does him. The, but maybe they just though? buy him out. Does he though? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it it yeah. is a. It is a a maybe it's a lose 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 trade, but that ends up sometimes being what the third the three team deals do. All right, I my timing on the the Cavs fun that I was poking at you was intentional here, Chris, because I'm bringing up the Suns uh, next in my uh, number three trade, which in- involves our Toronto Raptors, who we spoke about a second ago, Pascal Siakam to the Phoenix Suns. This is a this is a, an actual blockbuster. We're done with the silly uh, baby stuff here. For DeAndre Ayton, Cameron Payne, three first-round wow. picks, and two swaps. This is the Donovan Mitchell deal a little bit, um, although Pascal's a little older, so maybe the Suns don't have to give up quite so much. Uh, maybe it's two picks and two swaps. Maybe it's just three picks and no swaps, whatever. The pick part of it is probably where the, the difference comes. Um, Siakam is about as good of a forward fit as I could possibly imagine for the Suns. They pursued DeMontis Sabonis at last year's trade deadline. No one really knows how far that got. It doesn't seem like it was ever super-duper close. They obviously get, uh, he gets to the Kings. Aiton has been very up and down. This has been a, a poor season for him by his standards overall. And he got that contract. He's a very, very expensive player now based uh, compared to his production. And so they they go for it. They take a big swing. They've said with this new owner, they're going to be willing to be aggressive, be willing to give up picks and add big-time salary. I think this could get the job done, uh, helping the team, resetting a little bit after DeAndre and giving Devin Booker more of a reliable number two going forward with Chris Paul aging out of the the core group for this team. Maybe he's still on the team in the future, but he's not going to be the the number two star you want. And so this this checks a lot of boxes. We do have to return, though, to the fact that the Raptors probably think that Siakam, that Collective bargaining agreement rules don't even allow for a trade big enough for what you'd have to do to get Siakam out of Toronto. Aiden's a good starting. Aiden is like the centerpiece on a, and he's already locked up on his contract, plus all the picks for a team that like, like you could absolutely convince him that like things could go weird for the Suns and those picks are really good picks. Sure. You could convince, even with book, even with book, you could convince me of that. So I get it. I love how aggressive this is from you. I think this would make that this would put some life into the Suns. It would change the style of play. I think in an interesting way. Would you? Would you think? You think they would be okay at, enough at center in this post eight world? If it's like Jock Landale minutes and yeah. and Sarge minutes, like are they are they fine? So this is that? one of those that it's it's a little more likely in the summer. I have that's the real hang up that I have with an eight and trade in season. I do think it's more likely than maybe the average NBA fan would think just based on their memories in the the intro to our podcast, the big moments that he's had. But um, they don't have a center to start behind him. They have Bismack, Biombo, whatever, not great players. But this also, they have other things that they could still do here. We know Jay Crowder is still going to be on the market. Notice I didn't put him in this trade. So they could be in in the market for some pretty major shakeup at the deadline. And I feel like this could be one of multiple moves where maybe Siakam becomes your four. You get a center elsewhere. There's going to be buyout guys. We just talked about it with Denver, Mason Plumley, whatever. And then you roll. Maybe you're maybe you're cutting your continuity and everything, obviously, this season. But you set yourself up for the future and, and buy, sell a little higher on Aiton maybe than what he would be this summer. Yeah, I, I like this trade a lot. I want to pair this, Brennan, with my number two. I'm going to skip my number three. I'll come back to because I also made a Suns trade. And I don't think it's a trade that's going to happen now because of what happened with Rui Hachimura. But how about Kyle Kuzma to the Suns with, for Jay Crowder for a first, maybe like a, another second? I don't really... like. This is partially just like I think the Wizards are an extreme like let's just move on from what you're trying to do situation. Like... It's time. It's time. Like it, it is pull the pull, rip the bandaid off. Just be bad. But they, they're not going to do that. Obviously, it seems they're going to resign Kuz and Beal's got this big contract and all this stuff. But if they were going to like ever pivot, this would be the kind of trade that I think would make a ton of sense for them to do. And if I'm Phoenix, I absolutely can talk myself into being like, okay, we got a four who can shoot it. We got another body to kind of do some of that stuff. We can play a little bit smaller with him. Replaces what we're, we're missing from Crowder. Like it's a little bit younger, we can probably re-sign him because it's a, it's a market that maybe he wants to be in and all that stuff. 
I don't know like what the, the, the picks would have to be. It's maybe a first and like a in a second something like that. I wouldn't probably go more than that. And you're you're betting on Kuzma kind of going back to some of the DNA that helped him be a, a contributor to the to that Lakers title team. He's not been, I think, the same defender in DC that he was at the at the end of that Lakers run when obviously he was just buying into that very specific role. Yeah, he's expanded a little bit since then. Oh yeah, he's but twenty I, plus it, a game now. Yeah, he is just he gets up the shot and he, it, the the defense is just different. And I get that it's a different circumstance. He's trying to expand, but if you put him back in this context, I could see this making sense for both teams and. I just also wanted to find something to do with Jay Crowder's contract if I'm the Suns. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know like how anyone could trade for him right now and expect him to like show up and be like ready to go right away unless he's just like been in great shape this whole time he's been away. I'm a little less but worried I, about I would that. try to do something. Yeah, I they the reason I didn't include include a Crowder trade here is because I think it's going to be a three-team trade and it's just so messy that mm-hmm. it, doing the math on it was just going to be bad podcasting probably more than anything, but I think this, I mean, Kuzma, I will agree. Kuzma would be good on the Suns. I think that they could give up enough to get him. Probably not and Siakam, right? With my trade, it would be a different pathway for them. I think he'd be good on the Grizzlies. I think he'd be good back to the Lakers. I think any team could use Kyle Kuzma. I think the Wizards probably don't need Kyle Kuzma. And that's kind of where I want to go is that move and the the signals that they're sending out post this Rui trade are absolutely stupid. Um the idea that Kuzma is somebody worth doubling down on when the rest of the roster is in the shape that it's in is crazy to me. Bradley Beal is a very, very good player. He's probably not quite, you know, at the level that maybe his salary would indicate. That's fine. But that's it. It's it's Beal and then Porzingis, who also has contract stuff coming up. He's no sure thing to be there long term. He's no sure thing to be available long-term and then Kuzma is going to be your third player and you're making moves to reinforce that he's going to stay your third best player. Uh, it's craziness. Yeah. So I, and, and they, I just, and they whiffed on Johnny and they whiffed on Johnny Davis. They absolutely whiffed, they whiffed on, Johnny on Davis, so many picks. Like, they just traded a pick that yeah. they whiffed on. Right. So I don't understand yeah. what's going on with Kuzma and what we can maybe move on from to highlight the wizards insanity is he's an unrestricted free agent. It doesn't matter to Kyle Kuzma what the hell they did with Rui Hachimura, right? <laughs> he could leave. It doesn't matter. Like, they don't have, yes, they have bird rights, whatever, but anybody can pay him. And there's a lot more teams with cap space this summer than there were last year. He's going to want to get paid more than anything because he's probably been underpaid his whole career. He was a big overachiever as a late first round pick. He was a little underpaid on this contract for especially with the production he's putting up now. I don't know why I would want to stay in Washington if I'm Kyle Kuzma. What have they done for me? That's not like it's a winning situation. So it's all bananas. I think he would be good on the Suns. I think he would be good anywhere. I think he's a really, really great role player for a championship team. But uh, I'm not really sure how the Wizards got themselves into this situation. Can I move on to my number two? Absolutely. All right. My number two is John Collins, who was just in a write-up from Chris Haynes this morning that he is... Continues to be available, which has been the case for like two and a half years now. And that Portland is also looking to improve. So I already had this trade down, but if my uh, my great personal friend Chris Haynes agrees with me, then all the better. For Josh Hart, so Port- Collins to Portland for Josh Hart, Nasir Little, and a 2025 lottery-protected first-round pick. Uh, looking at it again with fresh eyes, that seems very, very little, But I also think that there's going to hit a point at this trade deadline when the Hawks are just going to have to look themselves in the mirror and say, our whole front office is getting fired in part because we can't seem to get these deals done. They've had this whole turnover in their front office. We don't know what their future is going to be. They just made a big move for DeJounte Murray, and still they have a player they don't want on their roster. They're just going to have to take a deal that's out there. I think getting a pick from a team that's usually around the middle in the Trailblazers, along with Little, who I still think can be a pretty decent role player. He'll be a restricted free agent this summer. And Hart, who is a serviceable guy who I think actually could still play and be productive next to that Murray-Trey Young tandem in the ba- and the backcourt. I feel like it works, but I'm sure Hawks fans are going to think it's a stupid undersell. I think it. I think the value that that Atlanta ends up getting for Collins is going to be a lot closer to this than what we've heard, you know, in the the rumor mill for a couple of years now. I yeah, I think you're right. I think if they were going to get something like great for John Collins, it might have already happened. Yep. 
and yet and we're how many years how many years are we in we into this right like this is i mean i think he was available just, at the pre-covid trade deadline so that's how long yeah we're we're ever we're just internally in john collins trade rumors and i kind of like hope for him it would kind of be cool to see him in a new environment and get to like be somewhere else and maybe get a chance to kind of reset the, the kind of weird vibes of of being an atlanta hawk Portland would be an interesting one just because, like you as you said, they're kind of in the middle. They also have Jeremy Grant there, and I think him and Grant could be like fun four or five stuff with, with Dame. And yeah. I don't think that them totally moves the needle for Portland in a big way, but I, I, I like it just for like maybe it gives them a little bit of a more of a puncher's chance. And if you're trying to, to do that with Dame, I, I can't really blame them for doing that. I think it's a pretty good puncher's chance, actually. I really like this for Portland probably even more than than Atlanta just because like you said, I mean, Collins at the five, maybe they have Nurkic still. They still have Gary Payton Jr. who who has recently come back and um, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons. You start to have a pretty nice five-man unit option there. Uh, I don't know if it's championship caliber, but it's pretty hard to get there when you have Lillard and, and Simons already locked in long-term. I think this gets them closer, but what is your number two? Oh, you did your number two. Uh Yes, let's go back to number three. So this was inspired by the Hachimura trade uh, and the and the Bucks reported interest in Hachimura. I'm going to send Grayson Allen and and three, four second round picks, whatever it takes, to the Detroit Pistons for Sadiq Bay. Bucks are sneaky, kind of old. Yes. Look at Chris Middleton's I, age. I Look talked about a Chris Middleton. I, I thought about a Chris Middleton trade on my list today. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, it's 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 something that I think they have to be very cognizant of, particularly with Middleton possibly, I think, has a player option for next year, and that could get you in some... They're in a weird spot. They need to get a little younger. Grace Allen is, like, fine, but I think they have they have in some ways missed some of what P.G. Tucker gave them. Sadiq Bey is not going to be that one-for-one, one, but he's a younger guy that at that size that the the Pistons are reportedly have, have said, we'll trade him for a first... Maybe this doesn't get it done. I don't know. But if I'm the Bucks, this is like an on-the-margins kind of trade I would pursue. You get a shooter in Bay who can be a big body. You flip Allen for something. You Yes, you have to pay Bay eventually, and, and you can figure that out. But it, it kind of gives you some youthful energy. It gives you some size. It gives you some 3-4 combo stuff to play with Giannis. If you're going to play Giannis at the 5 some in the playoffs, this is like a it's a smaller move for the Bucks, and this is maybe about as big as they can get considering where their assets are at, unless yep. they're gonna say, Hey, Chris Middleton and and we'll we'll do that and we'll figure that out. But I, I like them just kind of trying to get a little bit younger, give them something that fits well or Giannis at the five. And Grayson Allen is like a very, I think, reasonable thing to kind of flip here. Absolutely. I like this trade a lot. I, I think Bay has a lot of untapped potential. I mean, it's a dude who when he gets hot, it, it really is up there with Almost anyone in the NBA. I mean, he scored 50 points. He he can have some big three-point nights. I think the rounding out of the rest of his game has been a little bit of a struggle. I feel like there's a version of him that maybe is a little bit more uh, athletic if he, you know, commits to that and and getting right in, in terms of his shape and everything else. I feel like even dating back to Villanova, there were questions about that stuff. So maybe getting into a veteran system with a championship organization helps that getting out of uh, of, of Detroit. But I, I just want to remind people, okay, where the Bucks rotation was when they won a championship. All right, number. Do you know who the who played the fifth most minutes in the twenty twenty one NBA Finals when the Bucks won the title? Is it PJ Tucker? So PJ Tucker was fourth. The the catch here is Brooke Lopez was sixth, so it kind of it screws things up because he got benched a couple okay. times. Pat Connaughton was fifth, and PJ Tucker was fourth. So Pat Connaughton was a difference making, humongous impact player in a finals for this team. They don't need a lot to get Giannis at his best. Right now, they are just really in the dumps because Grayson Allen is is hit or miss. They have Jordan Wara, Javon Carter, guys like that. They got Ingles recently. He should make an impact. I think Bay gets you a lot closer to it as well. I think this really would affect, like, you know, maybe it's a few points on the, you know, championship odds lines, but I think it really would make a difference. I like this one. I Would you prefer him or, or Hachimura? The Bucks are off, as, as Jake Fisher, I think, kind of most notably reported. Yeah, I, I would prefer Bay as well. I think he's, Shooting. he's had the bigger scoring nights. And the shooting. It's the shooting. He is a better three-point shooter. And I think he's just like a little, like he's, 
he's a little thicker. And like, <laughs> if I'm going to get a three and a half, yeah, give me the guy that's just got like the bulk. And I, I prefer the bulk if I can get it. I think like a lot of teams should be calling on Sadiq Bay. I don't really know why the Pistons would totally move on from him, but say Lavi, that's another conversation. Yeah, and, they, and they've been hard to read, right? Like we don't know what they want for Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. They want first round picks for both of those guys. They... They've been, they, maybe they will trade Bay, maybe they won't trade Bay. It seems like all their young guys get hurt all the time. So they're a weird team to read. I think they will be active at the deadline. All right, my number one is returning full circle to our Toronto Raptors. They're our now. I don't know if you caught that, but they, they belong to us. Fred Van Vliet to the Orlando Magic for Jalen Suggs, Chumo Kiki, Terrence Ross, that's just salary, and a top five protected 2024 first round pick. Now, I didn't want to give up Orlando's pick this year because I don't think Van Vliet does enough to get them out of the lottery and you want that pick. No. Yes. But next year, when Franz Wagner is fully the MVP of the NBA and you have Paolo Bancaro uh, in year two, I feel like you 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 want to have that season be when you're when you're moving forward. So you get one more lottery pick this year, probably because Van Vliet's not going to you know overhaul the team. But you get your point guard of the future. You you get him with the anticipation that you're going to re-sign him. And he becomes the guard. They haven't had success. They've drafted so many. They acquired Markel Fultz, and yet you still feel like that primary playmaker guard spot, and Van Vliet's not quite that, is still up in the air. I like it because Van Vliet can shoot. He's going to be in a situation kind of like he's in Toronto right now where the forwards can handle the ball enough that his shooting actually becomes the best skill. He doesn't have to be the point guard of the team, but he also brings a little bit of veteran, you know, know-how, comfort, et cetera, as they try to take that step forward and, and win. I think from a skill standpoint, from a, a time and place standpoint for where the Magic want to go, and that price, maybe it is another one where it's a little bit low, I would be willing to give up another first round pick that's protected. Probably if, if that's what it took, maybe a player different than Suggs if, if they like a different young guy, but I really like the fit. I, if I'm the magic, I would be looking pretty hard at Van Vliet if he's available. Yeah, I like this trade. I, I think there is some risk because I, I like, especially defensively what Suggs has been when he's been healthy. I think he's still like a very interesting, he, he's not like up there with the rest of that 2021 class. And like, he's the worst of the magic picks in there. Franz is better, like, and then the guys at the top of that draft are better. But I, I think he's still an intriguing player. He feels like a Toronto guy, like, a, in terms of, like, the, the in-your-face defensive guard stuff. I feel like that guy fits kind of what they would do. So I, I, I think it's, it's kind of a one-for-one a one that I think makes sense. I think you're right on saying don't do the 2023 pick. Do the 2024 pick. Do not trade. Like, if you get lottery luck this year, or like if they want the 2023 pick, make it top three protected or something. Yeah. Like, th- slap some more protections on it if, they, if they're really going to press you for that. They're at fifth uh, right I, now I like in the lottery rate. odds, and they have a pretty yeah. good cushion between them and, and Washington. And it's kind of that top five in the lottery right now are the teams mm-hmm. that are actually trying to lose. And then after that, you get to teams that are accidentally losing. And so Orlando... They're not going to probably get much lower than fifth, and you don't want to give up a pick where you're slotted at five. <laughs> you know, that's that's dangerous. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that the picks is probably a little bit of where this goes, and then, yeah, it is going to be, do, does Toronto actually like Jalen Suggs, and does um, does Fred Van Vliet actually want to sign with the Magic? Because you can't do this trade unless you get some whispers that he's going to resign there, because then you're right back to he's unrestricted like Kuzma. Does he even want to stay? You're giving up all this stuff for somebody who's going to leave. But if it were, if all those pieces come together, I do think this is a realistic trade. Yeah, Chris Haynes has it to that uh, Van Vliet switching agents. So like kind of worth factoring in this as well. Uh, also, this is the Terrence Ross homecoming. You know, cue the music. Cue the Skylar Gray and P. Diddy. Let's go. For two months, we're com- we're he's coming back. Yeah. We're coming. Uh, Terrence Ross is back. Let's go. Uh, it could be fun. Um, let's go. We'll go to my number one. This is also a Toronto Raptors trade. OG and Anobi, we talked about them wanting three picks for. I'm sorry, you're going you're gonna to get, like, not three picks in this fake trade because I think that's crazy. But to the Pelicans, top five protected 2024 pick. Uh, that's the Lakers' top five protected 2024 pick, mind you. A 2025 unprotected pick from the Pelicans, and then Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes for salary matching purposes. Look, I, I think the West is open. I think the Pelicans should go for it. Let's let's throw some chips on the table. Let's get another great wing defender. Can you imagine him and not on Herb Jones just like locking people up in the playoffs and then playing small with like Ingram at the four and these big wings? I think it's 
a really, really interesting look for, for New Orleans if they wanted to go that route. This is the guy that, Brendan, if I'm looking at like who I would, unless you could get Siakam and it's like you're Dallas and you're going to throw every pick you have, and maybe that's definitely probably not enough. This is the guy I would probably prioritize trying to trade of like the four guys we think are available in Toronto. He's really good. He's having like a very, very good defensive season. I think the Grizzlies should be calling on OG as well. Uh, a friend of the pod, Mo DeKeel, had a good one that he wrote up over at Bleacher Report that was the, the Grizzlies going in on OG. And I, I kind of feel like I missed an opportunity not putting the Grizzlies in one of these trades because I think that's another team that should buy and, and really go for it. But OG to the Pelicans. Pelicans cashed in that top five protected Lakers pick. They trade one of their own picks and they have a ton of them. Two guys that are like fine, but like you can, you can live without Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes. What do you think of this? I think uh, Raptors fans, I would change the locks on your house and put up some chicken wire in the glass <laughs> on your windows. I think uh, I, I think that I said Pelicans fans. I mean Raptors fans are going to um, hurt you, and I think you should be worried. This so to return to our our buddy Robbie Callen's tweet, it would take at least two at least two promising players on team friendly deals and a pick to pry him away. So you're going two picks and. Uh, what is that? Zero yeah. promising players. Um, yeah, you know, look, I'm, I'm being a pre- I'm being a realist. I'm yes. being a realist about like how good OG and say, OB is. Don't is what actually I'm back off. I'm making fun of the anonymous league executives, not no, you. I, no, I, I, I am secure. This is like, I'm using real money and not, and not yeah. like fake scam money yeah. here to, to make this trade. Like, yes, like, I'm sorry. Like, okay, you know, look, let's, I'm going to pull up the Pelicans roster real quick. And if I can, there's a, is there a sweetener I can, I can throw in, you know, is there like someone on the edges? Like you're not getting Brandon Ingram. You're not getting Zion. You're not getting McCollum. You're not getting Larry Nance Jr. You know, you're not getting yeah. Dyson. Da- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving you Dyson Daniels. Do you want Najee Marshall? Like <laughs> sure. I could probably give you Najee Marshall. Like, I like, I him? like this. I like the Pelicans as a landing spot. I like the Grizzlies as a landing spot much more than like there's been this talk i don't remember oh it was portland right who apparently the number seven pick that became shade and sharp was on the table for og ananobi that's going to be a pretty fun one to look back on in a few years by the way but i like ananobi a little bit more on a team where he's growing with other young creators rather than going and expect being expected to be like another guy who like takes damian lillard over the hump or something i believe in ananobi's future. I believe that he has untapped offensive potential, but I'm also the type of person that wants to see it to, for a long stretch of time. I want to see OG Ananobi score 20 plus a game for half a season or, you know, get a couple more assists a game for half a season before I'm going to sell a lot of that stuff to go get him with the idea being he's going to be a creator for me on offense. On the Pelicans, he doesn't have to be that. I really like it for that reason. Nope. I wonder if he will feel like the Pelicans or the Grizzlies or whatever, is it that different than what he's seemingly not super thrilled about playing in Toronto? That that worries me. And then the other part of it is he is not as elite of a shooter as we think of him being. When you're talking about a guy going from 3 and D to whatever's going to come next, like Jalen Brown, like Paul George, those guys start with a pretty good base of being above average shooters. OG Ananobi's at 37% for his career. He had a 40% season the year, uh, the, the, the year after the bubble. He had 39% on very limited attempts the year of the bubble. And other than that, he's been pretty average or below average. That worries me too. I, I don't fully believe in, when I watch Toronto, the hype around OG Ananobi is just this blossom waiting to happen that that the league is is trying to prey upon i i feel like he might be closer to what he is right now for the rest of his career than some sort of you know all-star or all-nba guy when he gets to another team that's what i would worry about but you're you're talking about a good situation for him so maybe it's worth yeah i i that's what i think i think if i'm a team that can kind of maximize what he is and like don't need to like be concerned about what he isn't i think is the right fit if you're the raptors though brendan would you prefer that Pelicans trade or this Grizzlies trade that I did on the fly. Danny Green's expiring. Big body David Roddy. 2023 first, 2025 first, both unprotected for OG. Who was the first player? Oh, Danny Green. Yeah, Danny Green's $10 million expiring. The return. Play the Skyler Gray. Yes. Play the Skyler Gray. Terrence Ross and Danny Green back. Um, 
I feel like I I think I can do better than that overall. I think the I think the Raptors probably actually, and all jokes aside, can get at least better players back. And I I think that's probably where their head would be, considering that they probably see Barnes yeah. as one of their core pieces. So they might not be looking to get fully like reset. We want to get that number one overall pick and tank our way to the bottom again. They want to get who's going to play next to Scotty Barnes. So maybe it is, you know, a Dyson Daniels. Maybe it's it is more on the player side. I think that they don't trade OG though. I I feel like he's only 25 years old. If they feel no one will know better if there's untapped potential than that group of coaches and 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 front office people. And if they feel like there is. I see the the team of the future as Barnes and Ananobi. Get rid of Siakam, get rid of Van Vliet. Those two guys are who you build around. I don't really see the upside of getting rid of Ananobi. Are you going to get a, an asset back that isn't anywhere near as good of an asset as Ananobi is right now? I, I don't know. Unless you can create a bidding war, I just think it's it makes the most sense for him to come back, re-sign him after this underpaid contract that he's on, pay him for what he's worth, start to run things through him more, try to make him happy. It's worked for them before with Siakam and see what happens. I, that's what I would do. I, I don't think it makes sense to trade Ananobi. I would, I think, trade. If I were them, I think I would probably like take whatever calls you can on like everyone that's not Barnes. But the two guys I would probably be most in, most like wanting to move would be Van Vliet, who you talked about, and also Gary Trent Jr., who I think you could, who, like a, a lot of teams could tell you, like like Gary Trent Jr. Make, could make other teams better and kind of help teams more in the immediate need and, and get him as a rental. I think that's like an obvious place Knockdown to go. Knockdown yeah, knockdown shooter who like plays, who is like very much bought into like playing up in your face, like aggressive defense in Toronto. Maybe that carries over to, to somewhere else if he goes there. Would you rather have Karis LeVert or, or Gary Trent Jr. for Cleveland? I would rather have Gary Trent Jr. because I think Cleveland just needs shooting. But I think both guys are unreliable defenders who I would not want to have guarding a, you know, Kevin Durant in a in a final series or in a, in a playoff series. I mean, um, maybe that's Mobley, yeah. but whatever. Uh, in general, that, yeah, I that, think I lean Trent yeah. just because I, if I have him spacing the floor, I feel a lot better than Levert. But uh, I won't give you the buzzer. That was number five, Chris. No, I but... no no. I, I I deserve the buzzer, okay, but in, in my it. head, I'd give myself off. the buzzer. All right, we hit, have to hit the buzzer. It's episode number one. This is going to be a bit. Well, it's a YouTube video, so pardon the. Uh... All right. Yeah, there we go. There, there we go. Next, when we when we do the the Suns, when this happens with the Suns, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have something ready for you. All That's right. my promise. You can have whatever you need. That'll do it for episode number one of the Just Basketball Show. We will back be back with you twice a week, every week from here until forever. Subscribe to us on the Just Basketball YouTube channel. Follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us five stars. We are on Instagram. We are on TikTok. We will be pumping out the content everywhere for you. We hope you're as excited as we are. And we will talk to you next week. 